0: I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Today, we're talking about toddler tips and how to stop yelling at your kids with Celia Kibler. The toddler years are the ones where we start to see our kids' personalities emerge. For many of us, it's also the years where we discover how well we handle stress brought on by little people who test our boundaries and let their emotions drive the bus. I can remember when my kids were that young. I was frustrated and found myself yelling a lot. According to guest Celia Kibler, the toddler years do not have to feel like a roller coaster. You can find joy, patience, calm, and laughter while being the best parent you can be even in the early stages of parenting. Even if you don't have toddlers, this episode is still worth listening to because the principles that we share in our conversation can be applied to all ages, even teens. Do you want to know what your kids really think of you? We've created the Family Retreat Packet so you can find out and get honest feedback on how you're doing as a family. It's a 360 peer review, but for families. Not only does it include assessment questions, but a sample itinerary, a packing list, and activity suggestions so you can make a fun weekend out of it. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash shop and for only $4.99, you can download your copy. Today, I'm talking with Celia Kibler. Celia is an author, a family empowerment coach, and the founder of Pumped Up Parenting and Fun Fit Family Fitness. She is the mother of five kids two she gave birth to, and three she gained from marriage, as well as a grandma of nine. She has successfully parented a blended family for over 24 years. Celia is on a mission to stop 1 million parents from yelling at their kids. Her book, Raising Happy Toddlers, How to Build Great Parenting Skills and Stop Yelling at Your Kids, is available for purchase from Amazon and in Kindle and paperback. With over 40 years of coaching, teaching, counseling kids, and their parents, including special needs populations, Celia has found successful solutions for real-life parenting situations, and her advice is easy to follow, doable, and result-driven. She brings that wisdom to you in her book and private and group coaching programs. Welcome, Celia. It's fantastic to have you on the podcast. Hi, Kimberly.
1: Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So
0: a question that I want to ask you that I ask all my guests is, what is your family known for?
1: So my children are grown. They're all in their 30s. I have nine grandchildren. and But when my kids were younger, we were known for the house you hung out at. They, everybody was always welcome. Our house was an open door. I would sit around the kitchen table with all my kids, teenage friends, and we would talk and everybody knew me and I knew all of them and everybody could actually tell me anything. There was, you know, there was no limitations on communication. You know, there, every, everything was pretty open in my house and they knew if they needed somewhere to go, they could always come, Mm -hmm. come to my house. They, Mm -hmm. they called it their second home.
0: Oh, I love that. That we've we've done our best to try to create that atmosphere here as well. And so that's fantastic.
1: I think it's so really important. It's kind of h- hard in COVID land now, but I know. I know. was
0: just thinking that. I was like, well, we don't really do that anymore. Although there's still quite a there's still quite a bunch of kids that come over to our house, but don't tell anyone where we live. So they don't <laughs> <laughs>
1: We won't say uh, it on we, the
0: podcast. <laughs> yeah, we have, a, we have a fire pit in our backyard. So s'mores have become really popular because they can come and they can social distance and sit in the backyard, be outside, and then we'll have s'mores so and drinks. And we've also done, we have a, movie, a projector. So we've done some backyard movies. So the same kind of thing. We'll pass out popcorn. And so we were still trying to, despite the restrictions, be the place where everyone wants to come.
1: Right, right. Yeah. It's good. And you get to know your kids' friends. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to know who they're hanging out with. And they get to know you, which is, you know, really important.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I love to drive carpool is because that's how I get to know the kids as well. So you have certain kids in your car long enough and they start to confide in you and open up and share things with you. And and it even gives your kids a sense of like, oh, this is okay. Like my mom's not half bad.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely.
0: So you're here to tell us today about your book, Raising Happy Toddlers. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the book, but also tell us what makes it different from other parenting books that are out there.
1: Okay, absolutely would love to. So my book is Raising Happy Toddlers, How to Build Great Parenting Skills and Stop Yelling at Your Kids. I am on a personal mission to stop a million parents from yelling at their kids, because it is just super detrimental to your children. Mm-hmm. And I know, especially in this day and age of the the uh, coronavirus, mm-hmm. everybody's stressed out. And, yeah. you know, your kids are three times as stressed out as you are, even though you may not realize that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But what makes my book different is, number one, I specialize in advice that is doable and actionable and is success-driven. So, you know, I'm not going to kind of give you philosophy. I am not a psychiatrist. I am not, you know, a scientist. I'm a mom. I'm a grandma. And I have been working with kids and children and their kids and children. They're both same. With children (laughs) and their parents for 40 years. Mm -hmm. So I have professional experience, educational experience, and real life experience. And what makes my book different is I wrote it like a manual. The first thing you hear from parents and new parents is, why didn't this kid come with a manual? Everything else comes with a manual. Why didn't this come with a manual? Mm -hmm. So I decided to write the manual. And in the beginning is a lot of the chapters that are going to create unity for your family Mm -hmm. and consistency for your family. And in the larger part of the book is all these little chapters on conquering the little molehills that come up in parenting, Mm -hmm. you know, so potty training and, and talking back. And when your kids start to stretch the truth and, you know, all the things that you need to know of what to do about is there. Yeah. And honestly, if you read the a uh, lot of the, the comments that people have read this book,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there are people that use it that don't have toddlers anymore. They have teenagers and they have found it so v- val- uh, valuable, the information yeah. that's in it, that it works for kids of all ages. I mean, clearly if they're potty trained, they're potty trained. You don't yeah. have to read that chapter. But the majority of the book, is handy for all ages.
0: Yeah. And I like how you talked about, you know, unity and consistency and how that's how you start off the book, because that really is the foundation for building the family we want and for also getting the results we want from our kids. Not that we need to be so results and behavior driven, but there are things that make for our our harmonious home and that allow you to build your culture because you have certain things already in place.
1: Exactly. I, 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 Coach on this, and I kind of set the book up on this, mm-hmm. but I really think there are three key parts, and that's clarity, mm-hmm. understanding where you came from, yeah, understanding you know what contributes to how you parent mm-hmm. and understanding yourself, and then unity. You know, when I'm coaching, that's kind of my second part of coaching is really bringing that family together and bringing everyone on the same page and resolving what's stopping you, you Mm -hmm. know, so that everybody feels trusted and respected and and a really important part of this family. They belong here. They know they belong here and they don't want to belong anywhere else because this is the place where they are respected and they do get to be heard and then of course all of that results in harmony i mean mm-hmm. that's that's how you get there
0: yeah and i think all those things are interconnected i don't think that you can do one without the other so i think that you do need the tips and the tricks and the strategies but i think that you also need the clarity the unity and when you you when one of those is missing the other you can't do well with it. It doesn't do you any good to try to promote clarity and unity if you don't have strategies. And it's no good to have all the strategies, but ha- not have an environment that has clarity and a sense of belonging and trust and security. And so I think that they work hand in hand.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you need to have a, a guide. You need to have a vision. You need to you know know what to do when things mm-hmm. come your way. Mm -hmm. because they're going to come your way yeah and when one thing gets there and you've gone through that the next thing will come your way and you have to be prepared and and you have to be intentional and you have to learn to be proactive instead of reactive because if you just spend your life reacting to everything that happens and you have no plan in place of how to react to it, Mm -hmm. that's when yelling happens. That's when the chaos Mm -hmm. happens. You know, I saw this great post from a dear friend of mine who is also a parenting coach in Nigeria, and she posted that, God forbid, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. is not a parenting technique. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And somebody's like, God forbid you this happens. Yelling. God forbid. <laughs> that is not a strategy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely
1: not a strategy. <laughs> and I just love that. I thought that was so so creative. Like, yeah. and, but a lot of parents, like they fly by the seat of their pants. And yeah. God forbid this mm-hmm. happen. God forbid my teenager tries drugs. God yeah. forbid they drive and crash. God yeah. let me like put a plan into place. Have a reason for doing this. Yeah. So you
0: talk in your book about setting boundaries for our children and having consequences. So talk to us more about that, because that sounds like a pretty good plan.
1: (laughs) So it is a good plan. And, you know, some people, boundaries and limits are are so important. You know, some people are like, well, you know, I I want my kids, you know, I don't want them feel like they're restricted or anything like that. Well, I will tell you, having raised three children that I did not give birth to, having helping help to raise mm-hmm. my husband's ex-wife, I like to call her a free range parent, which means that her children are like free range chickens they They just get to go anywhere at any time, any place. And when I asked my youngest stepson when he was out one night and he was, I believe he was about eight years old and he was out till 11 o'clock one night. And I'm like, why were you out until 11? And his response was, well, because nobody cares. And the truth of it, parents, is that they did not just saying that, that is the truth. That is what they believe. Nobody cares. hmm So if you're not setting boundaries and limits for your children, you are sending the message that, you know what, honey, I really don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you do. I don't care when you do it. I don't care how you do it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Boundaries and limits show your children that you love them. It gives them security and safety, Mm -hmm. and it teaches them that the world is not just this open place. There are boundaries and limits. There are things we have to abide by. When they go to school, when a teacher gives them direction, they don't freak out because they're not used to anyone telling them anything. Mm-hmm. You yeah. need to have boundaries and limits. And most of all, it makes them feel secure and loved.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And consequences. Oh, go ahead. You know me. I'll, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> Tell me to stop talking. Stop talking yeah. now. Yeah. Need a little sign. Stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you had mentioned. Con- oh, <laughs> no, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go. I'm listening. <laughs> so, well, you had just mentioned consequences, and I just wanted to touch upon that because you have to have a consequence. If you, we all have consequences. We make a choice. There's a consequence, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And if you don't teach your children that choices have consequences. They just figure they can do whatever they want. And it's never going to matter because no one's going to do anything about it. It's Mm -hmm. like if you're at a party and your children are bugging you and whining and and you're like, if you don't stop, we're going to leave. If you don't stop, we're going to leave. And you have no intention of leaving. You're enjoying yourself. Well, that's just an idle threat. And eventually your kids will be like, well, it doesn't matter what mom or dad says because they're not following through with it. They can talk all they want. They're not going to take any action. There has to be a consequence. But the important thing to remember with a consequence is three parts. One, it has to be relatable. It has to relate to the crime. Mm-hmm. You know, if, it's, if it's like they won't get off their tablet, grounding them for a week has nothing to do with right. I won't get off my tablet. It has to be reasonable. Back to that, grounding for a week because they won't get off their tablet is unreasonable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. And it has to be educational. The point of a consequence is not to punish. It's to teach that this choice didn't have such great a result. Let's Mm -hmm. try to make better choices.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned good consequences too like we need to be able to follow up with the good consequences as well if they do something let's just say that contributes to the family and is you know some of the things that we expect of them and we want them to do we need to recognize and there needs to be a good consequence for that as well right
1: absolutely absolutely you need to you need to see all the good that your kids do you know it's easy in a day that, you know, you're, we're busy. We're all busy. Four-year-olds are busy. And it's easy in a day, your kids are playing wonderful together and they've been playing together for two hours and you're getting your work done and all of a sudden that they fight. And when do they see you? That's when they see you run in, you yell at them. You're like, stop it. What was wrong with you? Blah, 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 blah. No mention of the two hours that they've been playing great together. Right. Wouldn't it be nice that they're playing great together and then you come in and go, you know what, guys, I, you have been playing so nice together. I'm really proud of you guys. You've mm-hmm. been, you know, you've been being kind. You've been sharing. You've been, you know, talking with each other kindly. I hear a lot of laughing going on. Why don't we go out and get some ice cream? Or why don't we go yeah. play tag in the backyard? Or why don't we go to a park? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Let them know that you notice when they're being good, because you know what, guys, kids ultimately want to please their parents. Mm-hmm. I know it doesn't seem like that sometimes, but they ultimately ultimately want to please you. And when they find out they are pleasing you, that's the behavior they'll turn to rather than the behavior that displeases you.
0: Yeah, and what I like to what I like to do, and what I suggest when I work with clients is to. <laughs> duplicate what happens in the real world. So if you're in a workplace environment and you're easy to get along with and you help others and you work towards the team, you're more likely to get a promotion. You're more likely to get a new project that you've wanted. You're more likely to, to be giving more responsibility. And so just as much as if you aren't easy to get along with, you might not get that promotion, or you might not be picked for that special team that you want to be on, right. And so mimicking this idea of yeah, our behavior matters. And when we behave one way, this is the result. And when you behave another way, this is the result. And I do, I've been really mindful, especially with my teenagers, to recognize the good that they're doing, to not come to a place where certain behaviors are just so expected that I'm not recognizing that they're actually doing them. Because, Absolutely. you know, we need encouragement. We need to be told we're on the right track. Yeah, I notice what you're doing. I see what you're doing. It doesn't go unnoticed. I really appreciate this. You may think it's something that's just done in the background, but it helps our family function. It helps us, you know, thrive. It helps us get out the door faster. I so appreciate you taking care of X, Y, and Z. And we need to recognize those things as well. Absolutely. Some sort of, you know, great result
1: for those things too. Right. And you say, you know, you, you, you know, compare it to the workplace. Mm -hmm. When you're at work, don't you like people to say thank you for a job well done? Don't you like to hear that what you did has been appreciated. Mm-hmm. How many bosses have you had that never appreciate anything you do, that think everybody's replaceable?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Same in the home. Yeah, Your kids want to know they're appreciated. Mm-hmm. Just like you might want your partner to once in a while say, hey, let's go out for dinner. You know, I know you've had a hard week. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's good to be appreciated. Don't forget that your kids appreciate that appreciation too. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know what I'm finding as my kids get older, they're starting to now flip it and do that with me. Like you mentioned, I, I the other day, my daughter was like, "Mom, are you having a really rough day? Like, let's go out for a walk." You know, so those things happen because over the years, when you do those things with your kids, they will start doing them with you too.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned earlier about yelling, which I know is is it's such a struggle, especially when you've got young children. I know for me, when I, when my kids were young, they were, you know, one, three, and five. You know, I had three kids under the age of five, and then they they were two, four, six. I mean, like, I was in the trenches, and it seemed like yelling was the only way that I could control things, but I know that that is not true. So talk to us how, as parents, we can have patience and stop yelling, because I think that's something that really is common, but doesn't have to be. And I think it's, it's fixable. And I think there's ways you can change that.
1: I think a lot of people think there's like a magic pill for patience, mm-hmm. and there, I mean, naturally there are people that are more patient than others. You know, we go driving in the car, you know, my husband is a slower, calmer driver. and <laughs> I'm a more like Let's go (laughs) get out of my way, you know, and there are people that are more patient. But in, in a family, if things are very haphazard and chaotic in your home, if there's a lot of stress going on, if there's a lot of yelling between you and your partner and that's what your kids are seeing and that's what they're learning, if the TV is on in the background all the time, you may not realize it, but it creates chaos Mm -hmm. and chaos creates stress and it creates you losing your patience. You -hmm. know, also triggers, you know, key triggers for kids, sleep, thirst, and yes, thirst is a trigger, uh, hunger and overwhelm. Those are your like key triggers. And if they're not addressed, your children will get irritable and you will too if those are not addressed for you. Mm -hmm. I know if I'm hungry, get out of my way, I'm hungry. I need to eat, I'm hungry. (laughs) My husband will be like, feed this person at all costs. (laughs) And I'm very kind, calm, patient person, but I'm irritable when I'm hungry. So if you don't get those triggers down and work your day around meeting their naps, And making sure there's water available for them all the time because kids dehydrate much faster than adults. And the first thing to go when you dehydrate is your brain. Mm. So, recognizing that, giving them their sleep, don't take them shopping for food at 10 o'clock at night. That is not a great idea. That will cause irritability and probably a tantrum. Do not set them up for failure, set them up for success. So, you know, the, the other thing is guys, I, you know, I, I own a fitness company, FunFit. I started in 1987. And I will tell you the two most important, the two most important muscles to exercise in your children is the disappointment muscle and their waiting muscle. Yeah, And the more you exercise the disappointment muscle, because let's face it guys in life, things don't always go Good. your way. Mm-hmm. So do not Always let it go your their way for your kids. You are setting them up for disaster Mm -hmm. and a lot of yelling and a lot of problems. And if you don't exercise the waiting muscle, they will just grow up thinking they can get everything at the when they want it. I especially now
0: because they don't ever know what it was like to wait. We do. We know what it was like to wait for our favorite song to come on the radio. We know what it was like before the microwaves could just you know quickly heat our commercials. Yeah. We know what it's like to have no remote control and have to actually change the television station until we found what we were looking for. I tried to explain to my kids the other day what a TV guide was. I'm like, we used to have to go to the (laughs) store and you'd buy it. And then you would like look through it like a book to try to find your favorite show. And they're like, what? That sounds awful. I'm like, horrible. I mean, more than ever, I think we need to build into our culture, our days, our weeks, like something that causes them to wait, that causes them to work at something that causes them to not have it so instantaneously. And I think even as adults, we're forgetting how to use that muscle. We've allowed it to atrophy.
1: Exactly. You know, it's like, you know, we, you and I talk about, you know, family meetings and family unity, Mm -hmm. a great family project, guys, that creates an opportunity to exercise that waiting muscle is gardening, hmm. like plant a garden together. Yeah. If you live in an apartment, put it in pots and watch it grow. Kids love it. They get to nurture it. They get to plant the seed, nurture it, and watch it grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then bear, you know, if it's a vegetable gardener or, or, you know, they get to eat it. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't grow. And then there's your disappointment muscle. So that's all right. We go nurture the next seed.
2: Yeah.
1: It's, you know, and it's super great for women. Do you know that gardening is your best defense against osteoporosis because it oh, gets wow. vitamin D from the sun? It's a weight bearing exercise and it's free. And if you like gardening, it's actually stress reducing too. Mm-hmm. So. Don't forget bones, ladies. Oh my gosh,
0: that's great. There's a little bonus tip there. (laughs) Bonus tip. (laughs) All right. So I know that you have a lot of easy to implement tools in your book. And there's two of them that jumped out at me that I want to talk about. And one is how to deal with your child's aggression. And then two is help for picky eaters because these are the things that the moms in my real life often talk about. So let's start off with the first one, dealing with your child's aggression.
1: So there's a lot of... Things that you can do to deal with aggression. And honestly, back to exercising their disappointment muscle mm-hmm. and their waiting muscle mm-hmm. is a great one because then they're not so reactive to when the things don't go their way mm-hmm. or you say no to them, which is usually, you know, why. If they're hitting, you know, throwing, whatever, you have to realize that your child has an underdeveloped brain not just underdeveloped, if they're a toddler, it's severely underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. The human brain does not develop until said human is 25 years old, 25. So if you're a parent and you are 21, your brain's not even fully developed. But the child's brain, especially a toddler's brain, is like all emotion, Mm -hmm. like putting it as simply in brain science that I can put it, the right side of the brain is all emotion. The left side of the brain is the logic and self-regulation. Mm-hmm. So think of it as working with half a deck. They're working with half a deck. Half their brain is emotion, half of their brain, logic, re- self-regulation, all of that great stuff that we have is not even in their brain. Oh my God. So <laughs> when they get emotional over something, they get, you know, Irritated, or they get disappointed, or you say no and they're mad, they don't know what to do with that. So their body reacts to the emotion, and that may be in a punch, that may be in a tantrum, that may be in a bite, that may be any way their body reacts. Mm -hmm. The important thing I want you guys to know is that you cannot let your child hit you. Mm -hmm. Any parent that lets their child be aggressive to them, you give them permission to be aggressive to anyone else. Mm. And if you let them hit you, they will feel free to hit anyone. Yeah. So you have got to be firm. And I'll, I'll just tell you one way, if your child's hitting, stop that hit, hold that arm until you know, hopefully you can get it before they hit you in the face and say to them, I will not let you hit me. You don't have to go like, we don't hit here. Mommy won't let, who's this mommy? You're the mommy. Mm-hmm. I will not let you hit me. Firmly to them, not yelling, it's firm, eye to eye. I will not let you hit the dog. I will not let you hit your sister. I will not let you whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then if there's a hitting problem, give them a hitting pillow, give them a pillow they can hit. If you're upset, you can hit this pillow. It doesn't give them permission to hit. It allows them to release that emotion. Hmm. And then you can talk about constructive ways of how you can handle the emotion that they don't know how to handle. Yeah. Yeah. Practice that disappointment muscle, you know? Mm -hmm. Because then when they know that they're disappointed and it's not the end of the world, Mm -hmm. things go much better.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So talk to us about those picky eaters.
1: Oh, picky eaters. You know, (laughs) we all have them. (laughs) I can to this day tell you that my dear son, Paul, (laughs) he's he's my middle stepson. When Paul was a child, he used to eat rice, white rice, chili, mac and cheese. And there was one other, cheese sticks, I think. That was it. Yeah. So I used to make dinners that I didn't make my meals around his things, but I always kind of included something that he would eat. I was not. And I really impress upon you parents, don't be a short order cook. Don't make one meal for one person, one meal for another person. No, 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 Who has time for that? (laughs) Nobody but short order cooks have time for that. So make a meal. And the more variety you make, the more variety your children will eat. And if you eat variety, they eat variety. Now there are taste buds and kids have stronger ones than we do. And sometimes something will taste funky. So if there's really stuff, if you're worried about the amount they eat, one great tip is to set up like a little mini smorgasbord in the middle of your table.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you could put like grapes in there. You could put blueberries, raisins. You could put like a little hummus. You could put celery, carrots, any easy picky food. You could wash off beans, you know, from all the schmortzy mm-hmm. stuff that's in the can. So they can yep. just pick beans and eat them. And just put in the, in the middle of the table. Do not talk about it. Do not be like, you can eat this. Don't even say that. They will know they can eat it because you're going to pick something out of there and eat it mm-hmm. while you're all eating a meal. But remember that whatever you put in the middle of the table, it should be complementary to your meal, not detract from your meal because you don't want like oh, a big bucket of potato chips because then clearly they're going to eat potato chips and they're not going to eat their food. So whatever it is, if they don't eat, if you have green beans there and they don't eat the green beans, but they take a couple of carrots and they eat the carrots, good. Mm-hmm. They've had a vegetable, you mm-hmm. know, so it, and just leave it there. And they will know that if there's something they don't want, instead of making a big face, they may, I mean, they still might make a face, but yeah. they'll eat, you know, what's in the middle and they'll snack on that. And if it's still good food, it's good food. Yeah.
0: I found too, that when my kids started to learn how to cook, they started trying more things. Like all of a sudden they looked at things different, what it took to make it. And it was like simple stuff like, oh, this bacon was so good. My son said to my daughter and I'm like, I make bacon every weekend. Like, but all of a sudden there was a sense of appreciation. And I know know we're talking specifically about toddlers, but Mm -hmm. as they grow and we're able to give them more responsibility in the family and make them a part of how we eat and why we eat what we eat, and what it takes to put food on the table, they start to change their perspective on it as well. Yeah. And you know, like I, I, I've, I have talked to people who like don't travel or don't go mm-hmm. out or don't do things because their kids are such picky eaters. And so I know for us, I would never want that to stop us from doing those amazing things. And so I think where I, I think it's important to tackle that issue and to and and to allow our kids to experience something different than maybe that they, that they would prefer for themselves.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and I just did a podcast on my podcast, Pumped Mm -hmm. Up Parenting about helping kids, you know, get involved with cooking with a chef that was Mm -hmm. on with me, but you know, there's so many, they should be like involved. I have a game in the Pumped Up Parenting group on Facebook. That's the meal planning game that gets your kids to help plan meals, take them to the food store. Great educational experience. Yeah. Teach them about food labels. You know, a great game. If you want your kids to eat more is let them pick a color, take them to the food store. And if the color is like orange, then -hmm. they go into the produce section and they pick a fruit and a vegetable in orange that Mm -hmm. they've never tried before. Yeah. And, you know, and they can try it and you know, make it a, a tradition to try foods. I, I always tell kids they should take three no thank you bites. I had my my grandson in the car with me one day and and I gave him, you know, those seaweed snacks, roasted seaweed sheets, things, yep. whatever they're called. And I gave him one and he goes, Gammon, they call me Gammon. Gammon, is this one of those things I'm really going to not like at the first bite, but I'll like it when I bite it again? I'm like, absolutely. Yes. And, <laughs> and he bit it and he ate the entire pack. Oh my So gosh. when they know, they still have to try, you know, because you never do know if mm-hmm. you like something or not. You know, I always i I put mushrooms in everything now. I used to not eat mushrooms for like forever. Yeah, because I always thought I didn't like them. Yeah, and one day I decided I'm eating mushrooms. They're good for you. You need to eat mocha mushrooms. You're a grown up, so I did, and now I put mushrooms in everything. Oh my gosh, that's good. Even my smoothies. Which I tell you guys is pretty good. I know people <laughs> make faces, but <laughs> I do put mushrooms in every smoothie I drink.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. I do spinach and kale, but never mushrooms.
1: Yeah, it, I, you should try it. I'm telling you. And it makes it it makes it like brown. <laughs> so sometimes it looks like chocolate. Oh. It's not chocolate, that- <laughs> but it looks like chocolate.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. I'll have to try that. All right. So what is one, we're going to wrap up with this last question. What is one must-have parenting skills that our listeners can develop and that would make a really positive change in the culture of their homes?
1: One must-have skill is the ability to communicate calmly and know your ability to control your emotions. So I always say that communication, what people don't realize, is honestly about 60% nonverbal communication and about 30% the words you speak. So the tone of your voice, the little things, the rolling of the eyes, all of that is much more powerful than what you're saying, Mm. Whether you're smiling when you talk, whether you use your manners, people always go, well, you know, I want my kids to use my manner, their manners more. And I always say, do you use your manners? And they always go sometimes. I'm like, well, then your children will use their manners sometimes. Yeah. Remember, you're their strongest role model. And when you're communicating to a child and we talk about family meetings in here where you guys can communicate with each other. When you're communicating, you need to do it respectfully and calmly. And when you're calm, your children will be calm. Mm -hmm. When you become proactive and if you think about what you're doing and you're intentional about what you're doing, your children will react positively towards Mm -hmm. it. And you will find a much more cooperative environment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean... It's so funny, I mean we've all experienced this before we'll hear something our kid says and we'll whoop around and it'll be something that we say all the time and then yeah. we want to correct them and say, well, you can't say that to me and then I'm like, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. I know where you got that from
1: <laughs> exactly I would say you cannot punish your children for something that you taught them oh my so God. if you don't want to teach them something, check yeah. in the mirror, look at yourself and change whatever it is you don't want to teach them yeah because whatever you do what Whatever you do, you give your children permission to do. Mm-hmm. But remember that it doesn't matter what you're doing, how you're acting, what you're saying. If you're doing it, you give your children permission to do it. So you cannot yell at them if you gave them permission to do it.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. This is fantastic. I've learned a lot. And I have teenagers and I can apply some of this. <laughs>
1: That's why people like my book, even for teenagers. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's practical, usable advice and it's going to solve problems. I just had someone in my peaceful parenting challenge to stop yelling. And that was her, her comment was, this was like magic. Like I watched your videos, I did what you said, and then I didn't yell and my toddler responded and she's like, it was magic. (laughs) And, uh, and that's the thing It's you know, just get clear on what you're doing and have a purpose and have a vision. And you will raise really happy adults because that's our goal.
0: Yeah.
1: To raise those grownups. That's your job. They're already children. Start mm-hmm. raising grownups. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here with you. Thanks for having me.
0: You can find Celia at celiakibler.com. She's at pumpedupparenting.com and funfit.com. She's also on Facebook as Pumped Up Parenting and on Instagram as Pumped Up Parenting. I'll link to all of this plus her book in the show notes. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life what we get right and what we get wrong too you can find me at at Kimberly Amici and you can find the podcast at at build your best family remember family culture is not about perfect it's about purpose